0: Aloha, and welcome back. This is pay radio, talk radio worth listening to. In this episode, you will learn more about how we are expanding our sense of worth on multiple levels. Enjoy the show. Aloha, and welcome back. You're looking this old answer, and on this show, I'm re
1: Worth, which helps answer the central question, what am I worth? It's a book full of common sense suggestions
0: broken like trust is broken it's a hard role to get that confidence back and that's really the foundation of what i work with within this book
1: and at some point you decided that you had enough of uh, being consulted and you wanted to move in a different direction was there something that led you in this direction uh or or a certain incident or was it uh, a kind of an evolution what was it I began to
0: realize that the systemic nature of office politics, how awful it's becoming, to work with one person one-on-one or one person and a group of people within a company limited my ability to reach out and address this issue of confidence and office politics. It was limited, and I thought, well, wait a minute, what happens if I blow this up, put it in a book format, and a doctor who specializes in research If their research is successful, that one doctor could literally, quote-unquote, treat thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, all by that one act of research. One physical doctor, it would be impossible for one physical doctor to physically, personally treat thousands of people all at once. So that was my tipping point. I realized I needed to break out of the one-on-one and get into the group because, Back in 2003, when I was really in the mix of things, the off-level office politics that I was seeing over and over and over again was, was scary.
1: Now, you not only changed the focus of your career, but you lost a lot of weight. Tell us about some of those things.
0: Well, the retirement of 125 pounds came when the doctor told me, you got a choice. You can go ahead and keep on doing what you're doing and probably follow your family's footsteps and be dead by 40, or you can deal with it. And I had a really hard look in the mirror, and I realized at the age of 32, I had a few more years ahead of me, and it was only my arrogance, my absolute arrogance with how I was treating myself with my health, just eating poorly and not caring about it. I realized that's just arrogance that had to go. So I started dropping the weight there.
1: You lost 125 pounds. It took you two years to do that, and you've kept it off all these
0: years? All these years, and I use a program that I just adore. I haven't lost it, Jeff. I retired it, and that's some of the coaching I do with the folks who want to retire weight. Okay. As you know as a lawyer, words mean a lot of things, right? So you've retired the I weight. Lose it. I lose it. I'll find it. Okay,
1: so you have retired. It's, it's not part of you anymore. Exactly. In your work, and personally, you've done an awful lot of traveling over the years. Why do you do the traveling?
0: Keep it real. Keep it real. I'm technically considered a monk in three orders and a spiritual advisor in many different traditions, and I do it because I want first hand experience. I want it being in the neighborhoods, in the cultures that I'm hearing about on the news. I want first-hand information. And it cuts both ways because when I travel, people will ask me, well, my God, you know, we're hearing this on the TV and the radio about you know, X, Y, Z. Is that really true? And it's like, well, I don't know in my situation that it's true. Let me tell you what's going on in my world, and you can balance that with however you want to. So traveling to me has always been a reality check, and it's that difference between having knowledge and wisdom.
1: You said that exploring is more fun than, than debating and analyzing. Uh, why is that? Tell us about focused on exploring, and I guess that's part of the travel.
0: You got it. Everybody listening, if you ever watch kids, especially young kids, they explore. There's no destination in mind. Nine out of ten, when they're playing, they're exploring, and. What I have found, Chuck, when I'm exploring is I'm more in the moment. I'm really being more mindful of what's happening to me right now as I explore. There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. There's no in or out. I'm just exploring. And when analyzing, one of the most difficult things I find in my study groups is people start getting into these analytical modes, and it just feeds the ego. It feeds the perfectionist. It feeds the critic. And Now I realize that there's nobody in Jersey that has a critic and I realize there's nobody in Jersey that's got a perfectionist thing going on. So I don't know if that
1: applies. No, it doesn't happen here at all.
0: <laughs> We're all free
1: souls. Uh, the journey is a significant thing to us. Why is
0: the journey so significant? Part of exploring. One of the most fascinating things I've found as people really get into this work, I always start out our study groups, and I remind everyone that my book is a journey to find yourself, not fix yourself. And in our current culture, we seem to be so fixed on fixing. What's wrong? What do you got too much of? What have you got not enough of? To me, when you're stuck on fixing something, you're focused on one thing. And it can be like the carrot on the stick. And I've seen too many people criticize themselves that perfectionists that need to have that level of perfection and may never, ever get there. And then that becomes the excuse to not getting it done. When I tap into exploring energy, when we tap into what I call brainstorming. It's like creating that menu of options that you can now choose from. I don't know about you, but if I go into a restaurant I like a menu with a lot of options. What about you?
1: I do. I do also. Yes. It's more interesting that way. You give more opportunity.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So exploring in in a very creative way. In all of my workshops, I do mind mapping and brainstorming constantly. And what is brainstorming? What does that mean? What is brainstorming? It's just a way of putting on paper going on in your head. And again, I realize most people listening in, they're all then all perfect, quiet in their minds. It's, it's, there's never a moment where there's just too much chaos going on in their minds.
1: I'm <laughs> not here in New Jersey.
0: I was just there this past April and it was so damn. <laughs> <laughs> so brainstorming, it's like, okay, I'm running into a problem. All right, what's the problem? Well, the problem is I'm not getting enough sleep. Well, why am I not getting enough sleep? And then we start on a sheet of paper. What's contributing to your uh, inability to get enough sleep? You just start listing everything. The, the magic around brainstorming is everything counts. Everything, no matter how silly, how stupid, how ridiculous, whatever your critic wants to shout in there, cut it out. Put it on the piece of paper because it will popcorn. It will jar your memory to think of something else, which may think of something else, and all of a sudden boom, you've got the list of what's causing you to lack sleep. And then you can begin to remedy it based on what you find.
1: And what you're saying is that you're you're finding out why you don't have enough sleep as opposed to that there's a problem not having enough sleep. Correct. Okay. So it's a very positive approach rather than a negative, a, a doubting approach.
0: Exactly. And you're in the driver's seat. You have the steering wheel in your hands at all times. It is up to you to decide where you're going to turn, if you're going to turn, what you're going to find, what you're going to do with what you find.
1: And Is your approach letting someone discover on their own why they should go in a different direction or do you guide them?
0: Uh, A little bit of both. Chef, do you have any
1: kids?
0: Yes. As your kids were beginning to get that sense of themselves, how
1: did you support that process? You support it in a very positive way, but you have to give them guidance also. So give them guidance in a way that they don't recognize you're giving them guidance.
0: <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> it's a fine line, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. I was talking to someone the other day, that, a physician, and he said, my patients all... Will- listen to me every word I say and hopefully they understand what I'm saying my children anything I say they don't it's, it's like in one ear out the other ear because I'm daddy I'm not I'm not the doctor
0: yep yep exactly I'm actually writing another book as we speak called Nonprofit. P-R-O-P-H-E-T looking at the role of what is a profit you know, what's that all about and how many times do we discount another person's wisdom because we know them so well? Have you ever had a friendship in your life? You've known him for years, and you've told them the same thing over and over and over. And then you're at some sort of gathering, and an absolute complete stranger comes up to you, and you're in this same friend, and you guys get in a conversation, or you gals, and, and this complete stranger tells your friend almost word for word, what you've been telling them for, for, for like ever, and your friend goes, oh my God, you know, you see the light bulb turn on. Have you, has that ever happened to you? That
1: has happened, absolutely. It, it has happened. But because yeah. someone else, from a different perspective, they accept it, but they don't accept it from you.
0: Exactly. You know, I and mean, yeah, your friend thinks that the stranger walks on water, and you're like, what? I'm talking about I mean, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Hello? The goal of this work that I'm doing, Waking Up Your Worth, is really tap into a fine balance between those who've really known you, they've known you possibly all your life, with complete strangers who have that gift of perspective that's clean. They don't know you. They don't know the sacred cows they're not supposed to kill. They don't know you're touchy about certain things, and they can say things in a way that will open up your eyes to your sense of worth that will blow you away. You've used the word worth a few times during our
1: interview so far. What does that mean, or does it have a lot of different meanings?
0: It has a lot of different meanings, and I invite you and everybody listening to just play this little game with me. I want you to think about the concept of the word when it comes into the, the notion of confidence. So, chef, and for everybody listening, and chef, you don't need to give me this person's name, I, I'd like you to just think in your mind what comes to mind instantly when you hear the word confidence. I mean, what picture comes to mind? When you hear the word confidence, a face, get that face in your mind. Is there a poster child? When you hear the word confidence, immediately somebody's face comes to mind. So let me know when you have that image in your okay, mind. Okay, I have that image. Okay. Now, would you ever cheat that person?
1: Cheat that person?
0: Cheat no. Them. No. Lie to them? No. Try to use them in a way that you know is just not right. No. Why not?
1: Because that person has so much confidence that you're, you might be afraid to do it. They just wouldn't stand for that, and they'd understand that you're doing that, or you're cheating them, or you're lying to them.
0: In other words, you wouldn't want to risk that relationship because you value that relationship. Correct. It's true. Correct. That is worth. Did did I connect the dots there? Okay, so the the relationship is worth. The relationship itself is worth. I'm sorry, but when it comes right down to it, I can't eat paper. I can't eat a deed. I can't eat bonds. I can't eat gold or silver. I can't. So far, I haven't acquired the taste to eat earth, but I realize earth is needed to grow things. Relationships with each other, when it comes down to it, and I need help. I have to have that solid relationship with someone and that needy a complete stranger that I'm going to give my trust I'm going to have a confidence that I can trust that person to help me out so when it comes to confidence and becoming that confident person just out of curiosity you don't have to answer this yet. but for those listening when I ask you to get that face in your mind of the poster child of confidence was that face yours.
1: Was it mine? Well, no, it wasn't. Because I was thinking of someone else as, as someone who, another person. I wasn't looking in my own face, no.
0: Therein lies the key. My goal, my passion, is for every single person I touch. For them to naturally blossom, gently blossom into this sense of confidence about them that when they walk into a room, when someone meets you, they're inspired by this feeling they can't quite put their name on. Now, in your role, in your profession, you <laughs> you wouldn't last really long if... The people you didn't have be. confidence in me. Yeah, right? Absolutely.
1: The way you build up confidence in someone is of working with them and respecting
0: them. Your words align with your deeds. Right? What you say is what you do. So that's your confidence. Absolutely. See, that's what this is about. That's Chapter 9 of Fading What I'm Worth, Ethics and Integrity. Ethics and Integrity. Now, I will more than bank my relationships with people before I will bank money, because as you know, money can come and go. I have seen firsthand extraordinarily wealthy people, people who would enjoy hundreds of millions of dollars through unfortunate dominoes. They all disappeared i watched their social network treat them like some sort of god-awful disease. They were
1: shunned. Well, because, based on what you're saying, these people didn't have worth beyond their financial worth, and they weren't particularly liked, and they weren't trusted, and they didn't have, you didn't have confidence. them uh, as, as people, you had confidence in their worth, and once they lost their worth, they had nothing left. They,
0: you know, the emperor without clothes. You in essence, the goal of what I'm looking to reawaken with every person that goes to the book is book brings you on a journey. Book brings you on a journey such that you get a rock solid, refreshed awareness of who you are, what you have in multiple ways, how it's being used, how you forgot about it. I don't know about you, but I can't even remember some of the stuff that's up in my closet right now. <laughs> that sense of confidence. And then as you have that confidence, you are able to take more risks. How did this approach to
1: helping people, how did you develop the approach? Did it strike you one day that, uh, that people lack confidence, they're self-doubters, and I have to delve in this area with them? What did you have this epiphany, if, it, if I could call it that?
0: One, I have a master's in social work, and the one thing that kind of bothers me with social work as I was doing part of my coursework in you know, the history of social work and blah blah blah, the one item that makes me mm, a little bit cautious and wary, it draws a red flag, is anytime there's a relationship that requires a dependency. In other words, if I have a program, and that program is only going to live if I keep you at a certain level of lack or deficiency so that you keep coming back and paying the bill all the time, that's parasitic. And I, I just can't stand parasitic relationships. I like to teach you how to fish. I like to teach you how to discover who you are. Allow that blossoming happening. And what shifted into this way of teaching is in social work, in a way that you tap into their strengths regardless of what those are there may only be one small teeny tiny little strength there but let's look at that and use it to our abilities and then as you become more aware of your strengths like a rose blossoming it just takes on a life of its own so answer your book is called pay me What I'm worth but pay
1: me doesn't necessarily mean financially paying you what does it mean how do you define
0: pay me Pay and work. Pay and work. They have multiple meetings. Here's a very poignant example. As I was completing one of my workshops, I had a very fortunate hour and lunch with this one couple. And they were in their mid-60s, and it wasn't really clear, both of them were very financially well-off. There was this black cloud over the chest that I mean, didn't, something didn't match. Have you ever been in those relationships where... Everything on the outside should be like you should be really happy and and the sun should be shining, but there's this darkness to them. Have you ever run into those type of people?
1: I've seen people like that. Yes, I have.
0: Based on what I've heard from your your experience this weekend, you have a successful life. It sounds like you've got plenty of money in the bank, you've got a family you love and adore, you're traveling, you've got good health, you seem to be philanthropic. I mean, everything that you say... Um, it just doesn't seem like your level of joy matches what you say. And, and would you please, what's up? And the missus actually started crying. And I thought, oh my God, I really did it. I said, I'm so sorry. I, it wasn't my intention to make you cry. i just, if there's a way that I could be a service, I, I really want to help. As she composed herself. The husband basically said, soul, based on what we learned in your workshop, if we could rewind our lives 35 years and do it completely different, we would. And here's why. We grew up very poor. And when we got married, we vowed that we would make sure our kids never experienced poverty like we did. And so we both worked our fannies off. And by working our fannies off, we were able to afford certain conveniences, like some help and so forth and so on, to help raise our kids. But now that we're both retired and our children are growing out of the house, we really don't know our kids. And we want to know our kids, but our kids are so busy following the model that we set in place that they don't have time to get to know us. And we realize that, you know, we really should have taken more time getting to know our children every step. The way. All the money in the bank right now can help our children, certainly, but it's not the same thing as getting a home.
1: I got very good advice when my youngest son was just born. A man who said to me, whenever you can, go to all of his baseball games, go to all of the school plays, go to back-to-school night. Uh, even if that means taking off from work, and then working late that night. Just be an effort to be seen, and it was wonderful advice because it helps you bond with your children in a way that you can only do it once. You can only make a first impression once, and you can only bond with your children once. And I guess this is what they didn't do.
0: And the level of sadness hurt me, it just hurt me. And and it's like, yeah, I'm not gonna argue the fact, chef, that yeah, we need money to get along in our life, but for God's sake, it's not the only thing. And I see people working endless hours of overtime for free. For those people who are on salary positions, they might get a few extra days off. They might see a bonus. But I'm sorry for every hour you're working overtime that you're not getting paid for, and you're in a relationship with, whether you're single or coupled, you're in relationships with people. You're sacrificing that time of building that relationship. To me, pay attention have is job number one. Do you encourage people to do things other than their actual
1: jobs, have hobbies, um, have outside interests? Does that in- enhance their ability to uh, perform and their happiness?
0: Yes, and I use that as what I call a bridge. As far as I'm concerned with my background, I am on a mission to end the J-O-V job and awaken people to what they love doing. Some people call it a calling, some people call it a career, whatever term you want to use. but Don't call it a job. It's not a job. Well, you don't want it to be a, a job. I don't want any job. It, it, that's to be a slavery. If you feel compelled to go in and punch a time clock just to earn the money to feed yourself and survive, that's fine. It's a right or wrong, but what I'm saying is let's do the work through getting involved in hobbies, volunteer activities, all the relationships, let's well, spark that interest that you're going to follow it, whether you get attention, whether you get paid money for, you're going to follow it to see where it goes. And quite honestly, that to me is what living is all about.
1: And in, in your book, you talk about shifting your self-esteem from woe to wow. And how do you do that?
0: Every time you hear a compliment, let it in. Let it in. With no qualifiers. Chef, I think we're wired backwards when it comes to compliments and criticisms. You can't get to a wow unless you let the wow in. Let me give you an example. When someone offers you a compliment, Chef, Chef, do you let it in? Or do you like, well, who is it? And was it earned? And is, are they being real? I mean, do you start qualifying it? Or do you just like, a compliment A positive penalty.
1: What does that mean exactly
0: when someone does something nice for me I feel better and if I feel better I'm more likely to do something nice for someone else conversely if someone does something that's not quite, quite nice for me if I'm not being mindful of letting that go and forgiving it so that I don't remove that negative energy into somebody else I can start a whole chain of nasty events that's just not helpful let me just ask you, you know, shift
1: a little bit. This is the world of work. I often ask people about the nuts and bolts of, of what they do. Tell us a little bit about a workshop that you're going to be uh, putting together. I mean, that you, not that you've been putting together, but that you're going to be giving. Um,
0: how, how does it work? What I do is I talk with people about a workshop that I come into where you're at, and on a Friday night, what we do is we'll have dinner, and then over desserts, we're going to use the- a By using mind mapping and brainstorming exercises that I have, I made a custom tailor a workshop for those who gather together. All day Saturday and half day Sunday, the goal of the workshop is to come up with two or three conversations you must have in order to be paid what you're worth. For example, a very common issue in, in, in these workshops that people come up with on Friday night I'm talking with people. Workshop?
1: Yes, absolutely. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to uh, amplify that it's not necessarily just at your job what
0: you're worth. Correct. Correct. In fact, we're going to enhance that. So, Chef, you know, I'm going to pretend you're the one who rang the bell and you got me out to you wolf neighborhood to do this workshop. Basically, what I've done is I've worked with you over three or four days. I've coached you through the process. You're the one who sets the price of the workshop. You're the one who sets the location. You're the one who sets the date. Basically, you're the one helping me market it and get it put together. Now we've gone through three days where everyone has had that eye-opening experience of like they will no longer be, they will no longer put up with being used. Period. That's kind of one of the common themes. So it's about two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And what I do, and and I'm kind of doing a, what do we call that, a spoiler alert? You know, don't read the spoiler alert. Okay, (laughs) Okay, this is going to be a spoiler alert. I will ask you to step into the center of the room, and
1: then I will ask 25... You'll ask the the person who brings the group together to stand in the the center
0: of the room? Correct. So in this example, I'm going to pretend it's you. Okay. All right. And I ask... Would you... We're going to count off to 25. I point to one person, and I say, you're number one. Now... I was received, and then I ask asked you to be showered with even more work and I asked everybody else to come up and hand you their post-it note and if you're brave enough you know and being you know, mindful and respectful if you're brave enough to let people just put the post-it note on you it depends on how topical you get and being respectful we're going to post-it note you with all of the love the gratitude the joy that people are feeling in that moment By that time, I'm generally crying so much I need some more Kleenex at that point because the level of energy in the room is so inspiring that that's what drives me to do this and be a nomadic teacher. I love doing this. So my post-it note right here says
1: satisfied, um, and I'm satisfied that you've turned out to be a very
0: good guest. Mahalo. Do you accept that? I do, and I'm most grateful. Thank you for that. Pleasure.
1: And that's how the session wraps up, the uh, the workshop. Right. Okay, so anybody wants to do that, we're all. Well, dance any closing thoughts on a very uh, provocative interview over the last hour?
0: Well, thank you again for having me on, Chip. For those who are here listening for Pledge Week or Pledge Month, WDVR, on the phone, check what's the number they call to take their pledge. They call 609-397-1620. Budget. And if you get to my site, send me a receipt, and I'll either send you an e-copy of the book, or I can get you into our study groups as a way of saying thank you.
1: Well, thank you very much for being with us this afternoon, Soul Dancer, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth. It was very interesting. My pleasure, and thanks again. My pleasure. Until
0: next week, this is The World of Work. I'm your host, Shep Cohen. Alright, that wraps it up. Thanks for listening. This is Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. You can listen to all sorts of on-demand shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. Again, bit.ly forward slash pay radio has hundreds of on-demand shows for you to enjoy, learn, laugh, and grow with ease and grace. Aloha.